for joining us as we hear an anointed word from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Well, if you weren't here last week, I'm going to really pick up because I didn't have enough time to really go any further last week. So I'm going to go a little bit further, a little bit for just a little bit further than we did last week. Is that okay? All right, go to Revelations chapter 12. All right, Revelation chapter 12, are you there? All right, everybody stand up for a second. Hold your Bible up or your phone or whatever, tablet, whatever you got. I don't know. I can't even do that Bible thing anymore for some reason. It doesn't work out. Dear Lord. While you got them up, make sure they're off on silent. And say, this is the word of God. It's not tradition. It's not man's opinion. It's not subject to debate. It's the living word. I believe it. God said it. And that settles it. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. It'll do what it says it'll do. And if I believe it this morning, every promise in this book will be fulfilled in my life in Jesus' name. All right, give the Lord a shout. And you may be seated. Felt like y'all had blood stoppage there a little bit. I want to get it flowing just a little bit this morning and get you moving in right. All right, Revelations chapter 12. Look at verse 7. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found anymore in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceives the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation, now strength, the kingdom of our God, and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto their death. Now, we talked about this last week, that Satan was legally allowed to go up before God and accuse mankind. He went before God. He said, mankind's a sinner. Mankind is a failure. Mankind can't do anything. You, you don't have any connection with mankind. And how many you know at one time he was right? But here we see what happened, basically. Jesus took the blood into heaven, and here it said they cast him out. Say, cast him out. Now, we know he's still in the earth realm down here, and he's still functioning down here, but he's no longer allowed into heaven to accuse you before God anymore. Do you understand that? Why can he do that? Because if you're born again, he can't say they're a sinner, because you're not. They can't say you're unworthy, because you're not. They can't do all these things. He's been cast out of there, and the blood keeps him out. So what he does in this day and age, he accuses you. It was funny how Chrissy just talked about hearing that voice. Well, what do you think speaking to you most of the time when you're getting dumb suggestions and dumb thoughts? You think that's the Holy Ghost talking to you? And then you want to blame yourself. Half the time it ain't even you. It's just demons whispering in your ear all the time trying to keep you out. So the devil is a master of accusing you. And why does he have to be a master of that? Because you have an anointing on the inside of you, and he must stop the power of God from in you affecting you and people around you. So what does he do? He comes to you, and he accuses you. Go to Romans chapter 3.
Hide. Romans chapter 3, are you there? Look at verse 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Have you ever heard that scripture? There ain't a person on earth that has heard that scripture, is there? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There are churches built on this scripture. That all they teach, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now notice, if you're going to teach your congregation that they fall short of the glory of God and they're a bunch of sinners, and the anointing operates in righteousness, how much anointing do you think is going to be in that church? (laughs) Zero. None. There can't be. Because sin and the anointing don't go together. Righteousness and the anointing go together. So notice, people that teach that. Now, all you got to do is read the next verse. Say, just read the next verse. 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, but being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say, at this time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him that believes in Jesus. Notice, you cannot take scriptures out and just make any doctrine you want out of the things. You've got to take scriptures in context. In other words, read the whole chapter. Just don't take one verse out because most of the time the scriptures we're using doesn't even pertain to what we're applying the promise to because they're in a chapter that's completely different. Are you following me? This was a chapter on righteousness and we've built sin on it instead and it doesn't work that way. So notice, at one time all had sinned. How many know because Adam sinned? And all had come short of the glory of God. And everybody wants to get depressed about that. But the good news is Jesus came. So now no longer all have not sinned because they've become righteous and you no longer fall short of the glory of God anymore. So just take it on the opposite side. So notice, we don't teach sin here. We're not going to teach sin here. We're not going to teach you're down and out. We're going to teach you're a victim. We're not going to teach any of that stuff to you. As a matter of fact, you'll find that I will not compare you to people in the Old Testament. Some people spend their whole time. You're like Jonah, out there disobeying God all the time. Sooner or later, a whale going to get you. You're not Jonah. And then they'll compare it to the disciples. Well, Peter denied Jesus three times, and we do the same thing, and we just got to ask forgiveness. You're not created in the image and likeness of Peter. You're created in the image and likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you're going to identify with somebody, why not identify with the one whose nature you got on the inside of you are following? What that does is it gets into your emotions a little bit. Yes, I'm just like Jonah. I've disobeyed God and disobeyed God. Come whale, come Lord Jesus, send the whale. Turn me around. Just turn around, for God's sakes. Have the Holy Ghost slap you once or twice, and you'll switch around, and you'll go in a different direction. You've got to, if you're going to operate in your own, you've got to get out of the feely-touchy realm and the emotional realm because your emotions come from your relationship with him, not tie you to him. Are you following me? And a lot of people, just because they get a goosebump, think everything's great. Well, hopefully that goosebump came from the inside out rather than the outside on. Are you listening to me? So you've got the anointing on the inside. You've got the Spirit of God on the inside of you. Praise God. And we want to associate our identification with Jesus himself. The Bible says, as he is, so are we. Where? In this world. In this world. Not when we die and go to heaven. Oh, when we die and go to heaven, we'll all be like Jesus. You ain't going to change. You're just going to lose your body and be the same ugly thing you were when you were here. Are you listening to me? That's not the way it works. You've got a chance now to tap into the identification of the Lord Jesus Christ and function in the things of God and in the power of God that's on the inside of you. So we want to associate with Jesus. See, I want to identify with Jesus Christ. Okay, go to Isaiah chapter 54.
It's one of the best scriptures in the Bible, but we only quote the part that's not the best. Isaiah 54, 17. Look what it says. No weapon that is formed against me shall prosper. And every tongue that rises up against me in judgment shall be condemned. How many of you have ever heard that? Never heard the second part. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith God. Now, notice, tongues are going to rise up against you, and they're not going to be condemned unless you're living in the righteousness that God has given you. And notice what it says. It's not your righteousness. Their righteousness is from who? From the Lord. So if your righteousness comes from God, if he's the one that paid for it, he's the one who declared you being righteous, don't judge your righteousness by your works or what you do or don't do. Most people get born again and spend their whole life trying to become righteous before God by doing works, and there ain't enough works in the world for you to get there. So what do they have? They have this distance of God. They, they dis, distance themselves from him. They've got a little bit of unworthiness on the inside of them. They've got the victim mentality. They've got I can't do anything mentality. If you ever step into the righteousness of God that comes from God, the first thing that will happen to you, you'll start understanding how valuable you are to God. See, we don't look at it that way. We look at it, well, God's checking me, see if I'm doing good, see if I'm doing bad, see what's going on. You, this morning, are a valuable commodity to God. God needeth you. He loves you. He wants you. He says, I feed the sparrows. I feed the birds, for God's sakes. I do all these things. Aren't you better? Some people would say, no. No, probably not. What's he trying to tell you? He's trying to bring your self-worth up into a place where you understand how valuable you are to God and how much he cares to you. That's why he sent Jesus to the cross. He didn't send a bird to the cross. He didn't send a dog to the cross. He sent his only begotten son because God so loved the world. Now notice, not the Christian, the world. He loves everybody. You ever ran into somebody that you don't think God could possibly love? You'd never put them in that scripture, would you? Ever. No, but they're out there. But notice, God died for everybody. And I'll tell you, at one time, you probably were that person, only worse. So we've got to understand what's going on here. God's looking at the big picture the whole time, but every single person is valuable to him. Every person in here this morning, you are of value to God. God values you. God cares for you. God wants a relationship with you. God wants a bold relationship to you. Can you imagine if this past week, Amber, or I mean, always get them mixed up. Brandy and Aaron came in because they had spring break. Well, they come into the house, and can you imagine if they came in and Brandy said, oh, Father Karis, could I sit us down on that couch, please, because I'm tired standing, please? And I said, yeah, go ahead and sit down. She'd sit down. I'm thirsty, Mr. Karis. Could I please have a drink? I'd say, well, I don't know. Were you good today? Did you behave yourself today? If you did, you can get a drink. If not, you just sit there and you just dry up till you learn how to change your life and do it. That's how we look at God. Come on, we laugh about it, but that's how 90% of the church looks at God at this. No, she walked in, put her stuff down, went right to the fridge, grabbed the water, praise God. There was a piece of food there. She took it. She sat down on the couch. Why is that? Because she knows she belongs. And she knows her house is my house, her place is my place, what I have is hers, what she has mine. It's just the way it works. Are you following me? And that's the relationship that you're going to have to have with God in order to operate in this anointing that's on the inside of you. No boldness comes out of a victim mentality. No boldness comes on that I'm so unworthy. I'm just such a sinner. I can't do anything. God, I'm trying to do better. God just wants you to do. Wants you to do what he told you that you could do, basically. So notice what it says here. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of... Notice, their righteousness is of who? It's of the Lord, isn't it? All right, just jump up to Isaiah, chapter, or go back to Isaiah 32. 
And this is something you've got to break off your life because I was in religion for quite a few years. And I'll tell you what, in religion, you are a worm. You can't do nothing. You've got to go to church on Sunday. God don't even like you. I mean, if you sneak in the back door on a Saturday night and get in if you die, you did pretty good, praise God, because there's no front door open for you. Do you understand? You've got to sin here. You've got to sin there. You've got to sin everywhere. And for every sin you do, I had to do a little star somewhere along the line to make up for that sin. You know, I went to church twice on Sunday. Praise God, that's two stars, but I got a lot of black marks up there. I'm going to have to live in church in order to catch up with stuff. And that's what you were taught constantly. Your own self works to have a relationship with God. And if that's your relationship with God, you are going to fail all the time. You may have a couple good days, but then all right, so you'll mess up, and all once your relationship with God's no, he don't like me anymore, he's mad at me. No, simply, he gives you, gives you an outlaw, confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's what he did. That's why he put that in there. He knew we might make a mistake now and then, but you can step right back into that relationship with God. You don't have to do a work for him. You don't have to clean out his garage so he forgives you. See, and even in the natural world, we do the same thing. And there's nothing wrong with it, really, but it tries to try this train off. You have a big argument with your wife and your spouse, and you have a big argument, and to make up for it, you just can't go back and say, I'm sorry, you've got to get some flowers. Got to get some candy. Why? Because she might not forgive me if I don't give her a dozen roses at the same time. Well, see, then we take that over into God realm, don't we? Well, I'm coming for forgiveness, Lord, but I'll tell you what, I've fasted and prayed three days now to make up for it. I've done this. You don't have to make up for things in God because he initiated the righteousness in the first place to you, and you in right standing with him is what releases that anointing on the inside of you. It's not, oh, Lord, please heal this one, please heal. It's commanding that stuff in the name of Jesus, knowing the Father is with you and behind you, and he's going to back up everything you do by the power on the inside of you. Are you following me? But it's a change up here. There has to be an adjustment up here. There has to be a change up here. There has to be f- from different. I mean, Christmas is another one. Yeah. We teach our kids, you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'll tell you why. Because Santa Claus is coming to town. And he's made a list. Checked it twice. Chances are you're on it. <laughs> Trying to find out. Come on now. If you've been naughty or nice. So what do they what do a little kid try to do their best before Christmas to try to please Santa Claus? What is it that was built into our mentality once again? And there that thing is. I'm going to get my righteousness. I'm going to become righteous before God. I'm going to become pleasing to God. He's already made you pleasing, and it's the blood that provided it for you, not anything that you did. The blood snapped all that stuff off, changed the whole thing into a place. Now, you have a righteous relationship. So what's the effect of a righteous lifestyle? I'm glad you asked. Isaiah 32. Look at verse 17. And the work of righteousness shall be peace. And the effect of righteousness shall be quietness and assurance forever. And my people shall dwell in the peaceable habitations and ensure dwellings and in quiet resting places. How do I know if I'm, I'm operating in God's righteousness? How do I know if I'm operating in God's righteousness or mine? Well, notice what it says. You shall be in peace. You'll be in peace. Even when you make a mistake, you'll be convicted and you'll just confess your sin and you'll stay in peace. You'll be there the whole time. Now, if you make a grievous mistake and you have to atone for it, you won't be in peace until you atone for it. And the more you try to atone for it, the less you're going to atone for it because you can't atone for it. So what does it do? It turns into religious works. The more religious dead works you do, the more you wear yourself out. The more you wear yourself out, you think, what's this Christianity all about? What the heck am I doing in Christianity to begin with? I got more problems now than I had before I got into this place. So what do you got to do? You've got to understand that there's a peace that comes. What is the kingdom of God? It is righteousness, peace, and joy where? In the anointing. 
Righteousness, peace, and joy in the anointing. Well, if I get out of my righteousness, peace, or joy, that's why the devil attacks your righteousness. Because he's trying to shut down your anointing. He don't care if you live here for another 100 years as long as you don't do nothing, release the power of God, worry all the time, do works all the time, don't do anything. He could care less. It's only when you start doing things that he gets interested in you because he knows for sure then that you're going to start destroying his works and his kingdom down here. So he attacks your righteousness. He comes after your mind. He goes after you, trying to separate you from God and from the anointing. He tells you things. I mean, there's things that your parents probably spoke into your life that still bother you at this time. Possibly. You've got to get rid of those things. People said, I had a terrible upbringing. We all did. A dysfunctional family. We all did. We were all sort of dysfunctional, were we not? No family was perfect, but that's in the past, and now you're in the future. Since then, you've been born again. Since then, the blood has made you the righteousness of God in Christ. Since then, whatever they told you that doesn't line up with the word is not true. Whatever God said is true in your life, and that's who you are, and that's what you can do, but it's going to take a boldness in order to do that. You cannot do it if you have an unrighteous mindset in your mind. You're not going to have peace. You're not going to have joy, and if you do that, you're not going to be in the anointing of God because it, it just doesn't work that way, praise God. Hallelujah. All right, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I mean, some of the old hymns that we had that everybody loves and I love for years, I found out that they were hurting me. I am weak, but thou art strong. Jesus, keep me from all wrong. Daily walking close. You're getting further away every time you sing this to me. Daily walking closer to you. What did it do? It tapped into your emotions, didn't it? Help me, Jesus. Maybe if I shed a tear, he'll do something for me. Because we're in the emotional realm half the time. Are you following? Those songs ain't going to help you. I'm telling you right now. It's the victorious songs that are going to help you that tell you who you are and how you can be connected to God and how you can do things with God. We've got to erase this mindset and get it back to where it belongs. Second Corinthians chapter 5. Look at verse 21. For he has made him, talking about Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of who? Notice, it's not even your righteousness. It's the righteousness of God. How many of you think Jesus was righteous? And, and that's what Jesus says, the anointing on him, the, the joy was on him, the peace was on him all the time because he loved righteousness and he hated iniquity. What's iniquity? Everything that keeps coming against your mind to try to get you to believe that rather than the righteousness that God has placed you on. You're in a good place with God this morning. You're in a good family this morning. He loves you. He cares for you. He has big plans for you. But you don't have to earn that position. He did everything for us, praise God. You just got to learn to accept what he did. And if not, you're going to try to do it. Let me tell you what, you cannot do it. You can't do it. It's impossible for you to do what he's talking about. All right, go to Luke chapter 9. More and more I read the things that Jesus taught and talked about, the more and more I find out that I'm more messed up than I thought I was. I'm telling you, when you get in ministry, you better really get in ministry. I mean, this ain't a half-stepping half thing to where you take up an offering and get yourself a new car and leave or whatever, praise God. But, all right, Luke chapter 9. Look at verse 52. And they sent messengers before his face, and they went and entered into a village of Samaritans to make ready for him. 
and they did not receive him because his face was as though he was going to go to Jerusalem. And when his disciples James and John saw this, they said, Lord, will thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them even as Isaiah did? But he turned and rebuked them and said, you know not what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. Now, I could never figure that scripture out. Because in verse 24, it says, And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said to the Lord, we, Should we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them as Eliah did? I expected the Lord to say, Do it. <laughs> come on. They're coming against your ministry. They're coming against my leader. Should I call fire down? She said, Get them. Burn up every one of them fry them up. And when I first got in ministry, I liked that verse till I read the rest of it. Because people were coming against me. Pastor, we love you. We're going to get them back. Good. Go get them. Bless God. Keep me out of it. Just go. Go get them. Glory to God. Get them. Get them. Teach them a good lesson. Why is that? Because that's our thought life, isn't it? Somebody hurts me. Bless God. They're going to get it back. I'll tell you that right now. They get mean to me. I'll show you what mean is. You raise your voice. Let me tell you how loud I can get. Praise God. Louder and louder. I'm going to do it. See, that's the way we are. But notice Jesus' heart here is he just loves the whole world. He even loves the people who are coming against your ministry. He even loved people who are coming against his ministry. He didn't come to destroy them. He didn't do that. He came to place God to help people and to bless people and to save people. But our mentality is, boy, call that fire down. How would you like to have the power to call some fire down every now and then? My God, would that be a blessing? You just burn people up. It got in your way. <laughs> Gone. Gone. Be like a movie, wouldn't it? What would you say? You better take that back. Here it comes. Listen, it's getting hotter. See, but that's the way we are, isn't it? That's, that's the way we are. That's what we were brought up. So not only is our nature changed, but our thought life and our heart has to change up to line up with God's heart because the anointing is here not to kill people, not to call fire down from heaven. It's here to help other people, no matter where they're at and what's going on in their life. And how many know you're going to run into some issues when you start doing this? You're going to run into some people who aren't real happy with what you're doing. Some people you preach the gospel to will shoot it right back in your face. Now, you've got a choice. You can go be offended. You can quit. You can get mad. You can do whatever. But notice Jesus just said, we're here to help people. We're not going to call fire down from heaven. I mean, you can learn a lot by how dumb the disciples were and find out you think and just like them in a lot of places in your life. Remember when the rich young ruler came? And says, uh, well, what do I have to do? And Jesus said, well, you've got to sell all you got, and you've got to give it to the poor. And then he said, because the rich have trouble getting into the kingdom of God. And, and the disciples came to him. Apparently, he must have had money, or they wanted to ask the question, then who can be saved? If they were broke, they'd have said, that's right, them rich people all need to go to hell. And we ain't got no money at all, praise God, so we going to heaven. Wouldn't it? That's right. You know they had money, or they wouldn't have brought it up. So he brought it up, these rich people. This is unbelievable. And then Peter comes to him and does the same thing this rich young ruler did. He said, Lord, we have left all things. In other words, what you going to do for us? Remember us? Your disciples? We were with you the whole time. We've been with you, praise God. We were passing out the fish for you and everything else. What do we get? And it was hard for Jesus to get across that you don't earn things from God. You just receive them by walking with him and being with him. And you've got to get rid of that earned mentality that we've got. And, and it's tough because your feelings get involved, don't they? When you do something good for God, you really feel good, don't you? You feel like God's looking at you only and you just changed the world. Praise God. Look at me right here. Do you see what I did there? Holly, did you write that in that book you got up there? Praise God. I know my name's in there. Just put a little hash by it and say, he did this on this day. Glory to God. Now feel so much better. But God's not interested in that. He loves you whether you do it 
whether you don't do it, whether you fulfill your call, don't fulfill your call, he still loves you. He can't do anything because God is love. He doesn't have love. He just has decided to love you a long time ago, and he can't help it. He's got to love you no matter what happens in your life. He loves the worst sinner out there in the entire world. He loves the rapist out there. He loves the abortionist out there in the entire world. Are they doing what's right? No, absolutely not. But still, he loves each and every one of them out there, and he loves you. No matter whether you had a good day, bad day, whatever, you've got to learn to walk in this right standing with him in order for that anointing to flow out of the inside of you. Even in your own life, you know, you've got anointing upon you for other people, but you've got anointing in you. It's called a well, and you want to keep that well flowing. The Bible says there's healing in that well. There's joy in that well. There's peace in that well. It's on the inside of you. So when you lose that joy and that peace, something happened to your well. Something took place in there. Something's wrong. And 99% of the time, I believe it's our own connection with God, thinking we've got to be approved by him and do something for him in order to have a good relationship. And God's never put that anywhere in the Bible, praise God. He said that he's accepted us, he's loved us, and he's with us. All right, go to Ephesians chapter 1. I mean, whether I preach this morning or not, God loves me. If I preach a good sermon this morning, he loves me. If my sermon stinks this morning, he still loves me. If I forgot to say something I wanted to say this morning and get home and say, ah, it's okay, he still loves me, praise God. Anything you do is not gonna knock him off the throne. He's seen it all. You think you're the only, but the only one that ever did that. Are you kidding me? He's seen twice as bad as that already, do you see? But in our own minds, it's magnified in our own minds. All right, Ephesians chapter one, look at verse three. Great portion of scripture here. You ought to eat this every day. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Well, only if I had a good day. Only if I did good. No, he's blessed you, whether you like it or not. According to his, he has chosen us in him when? Before. Before the foundation of the world, not when I did something good. Not when I finally did something good for God. No, he chose you before the foundation of the world that you should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, say his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved. Hallelujah. Say, I'm accepted. In the beloved. Say, I'm one of the family of God. God is my father. Jesus is my brother. Holy Ghost lives on the inside of me. And I didn't do a darn thing get any of it. Oh, it's already been provided for you. That's who God is. God is such a giver. He just does it. And I'll tell you what, even in the world right now, you can't do anything without somebody trying to find a motive for you doing it. Right. Yesterday I had went at Aaron's games and my uncle and uh, his wife came down because they wanted to go to a couple games this year. They came down. I met them at a place for breakfast. I said, I don't get to see you guys much. Went and paid for breakfast. And of course they just about lost it. Well, how come you're paying for breakfast? because I just wanted to pay for breakfast. No, why did you pay for breakfast? Because I wanted to pay for breakfast. In other words, and I, we get to the game. Of course, I get in there first. I got a pass. It takes 10 bucks to get in. I gave him 10 bucks. They about freaked out. How come you did that? And, and you know, they're probably thinking, well, we're going to supper later where it's going to be expensive. <laughs> and if he buys this cheap dinner and he pays our way into the game and we get to the real expensive meal, bless God, then he's going to expect us to pay for it. I tricked him. I went home. I never went. I said, I got to get back home. Oh, you got to go to supper with? No, I got to go, go home. Yeah, but you've got to go. Aren't you hungry? Yeah, but I'll be, eat when I get home. But we got to go. And I said, no, I'm going to go. And then they're depressed again. 
Depressed because they got paid for? Depressed because they couldn't pay for the thing. Why? Because they're in this mode of having to pay someone back for what something does. I mean, my God, Jesus said, when you have a party and a banquet, don't invite people who are going to have you back. Go out in the highways and byways and take in people who aren't even thinking about having you back because that's what the kingdom of God is about. That's what it's all about. It's about giving without expecting anything in return. And you wives are some of the best manipulators in that area. I'm not going to go there very far, but you know what I mean. You know how to persuade your hubby to do whatever you want done on a give-and-take basis. Praise God. Hallelujah. Come on. Yeah, I'm talking to you this morning. <laughs> I saw you try to dodge it, so I had to get you. <laughs> See, but we want to do that. You did that for me. I got to do that for you. We can't even receive something that's freely given to us by somebody who's sitting aside of us, much less by God. My gosh, at least there hasn't been any resistance on Wednesday nights. When you wanted to give out $10, everybody was wanting 20. So that group, that group's been broken. They've been delivered. They've been delivered from this, praise God. There's no question about it. It's like about time. What have you been doing last week? And, and that's part of the financials part too about giving. You know what I mean? We're going to give. Why are we going to give? Because we can. We just give. We don't give to get anything in return, do anything in return. I mean, when you do something in this church, thank you very much. And we got people that do it all the time, but I hope you're not doing it to get something from me because all I can do is love you. That's the best, best, I, best I got for you is a father's love for you. That, that's not enough. It's not going to help, but it's all I can do, see? And we got people to do all kinds of stuff around here. Thank God Mark Bender's back. We missed him, huh? Here, Lord. All right, go to Romans chapter 14. So the devil's going to attack you. Demons are going to attack you. What for? To get you out of your righteousness with God. And as soon as you do that, you will lose your peace. Your peace is a really good indicator, I'm telling you right now, in your heart. When you've got peace in your heart, you know you are in the things of God. You're flowing with God. But when something gets a little... When you get inner battle going on there, you know it's time to back off of something. That's why when temptation comes into your life and you get a little bit confused, you've got to know that something's coming to tempt you to either speak wrong, do wrong, or something else. There's a battle on the inside of you. And you know the first thing you'll do most of the time? Try to justify it. We're experts at that too. Well, I, I'm going to cheat on my taxes this year because I want to tithe <laughs> off the money I get back. So, Lord, sorry about that, but it's all for you, Jesus. It's all for you. Glory, glory. See, it's the way we think sometimes. It's the way it's there. Yeah. We can justify just about anything you want to justify. You can take Scripture out and turn it around. Devil does it all the time, praise God. All right, Romans chapter 14. How many of you want to serve God faithfully and wonderfully? All right, I'm going to show you how. Romans chapter 14. Look at verse 17, for the kingdom of God is not what you eat, it's not what you drink, it's not what you wear, but it's righteousness, it's peace and joy in the anointing or in the Holy Ghost. For he that in these things serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify one another. So notice, how do we serve God? Do we serve God by serving in the church? Well, sort of. Do we serve God by doing something for the pastor? Sort of. But notice, if you're not doing it in righteousness, peace, 
and joy in the Holy Ghost, you're not serving Christ at all. And how many know you can do something for someone and not do it in righteousness and peace? All right, bless God. How about your kids? I'll clean out that garage, but I ain't going to like it. I'll tell you that right now. And it may not be as clean as you want it, but I'm going to do it because you told me to, and I'm so obedient. No, you're not obedient. You're a pain. See, you want to just say, go, I'll clean the thing out myself. My God, it'd be less hassle or whatever. So there's a way to do things. If what you're doing for anyone else should be in a rightness with God, a peace that's in your heart, and there should be a joy doing it. Say a joy doing it. And how many know there's a lot of things? I do a lot of things now that I take joy in that I never did before. I mean, oh, Lord, I do laundry now. Don't bother me at all. That was a woman's job. I was taught. But, I mean, my clothes are dirty. I'm going to wash the things. And, I mean, it's not that complicated, I found out. You put stuff in, throw all that blue crap on top, push the button, and it goes around and spits the stuff out, and everything's fine. Praise God. Then I even learned to dry them. That's really tough. You just throw them in the dryer. You push a button. When Come on, it's not that hard. But if you can't do it in joy... You need to correct something on the inside of you and do it in joy. You can do the dishes and you can do them in joy. Yes. You can be doing, shout to the Lord, all the earth, let us sing. Our or you've been saying, that stupid wife has left me the dishes again. You can do it both ways. You can do whatever. But you want to do everything in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So what am I doing? It's, it's an anointed thing as long as you're doing that. Dishes can be an anointed thing. Driving down the road can be an anointed thing. All these things. I mean, I, I told you a long time ago, and I've said it before, I had to be cured from going shopping. There's no reason to shop if you don't need anything. If you've got 30 pairs of shoes in the closet, why do we have to go shopping for shoes again? Just wear one of the 30 pairs that's in the closet. Have your feet changed size? What has happened? <laughs> It doesn't match your dress. You can't tell me one of them doesn't partly match your dress. It's in the closet there. Don't you buy any black shoes? They, they go with everything, praise God. But no, here we go. Got to go to the mall. Got to go to the mall. All right, we're going. I love you, honey. I'm going. Done yet? Finished yet? This is the last store. You said three. Find them yet? And then she'd find the $20 pair and the $100 pair. And all, once I got involved. I love that $20 pair right there. They look, try them on. Oh, my God, they're sexy. Man, oh, man, I take you home, praise God, in them shoes. It's... <laughs> we talking some truth this morning, aren't we? <laughs> oh, yeah, they were a lot better shoes than $20 ones. So I had to learn, you want to go shopping, then I'm going to make good use of it. I'm going to find myself a bench. I'm going to sit it down, and I'm going to maca te la masha kela to every person that goes by. Hola masha kela basi, maca sete, moshe la maquite. She come back and say, are you ready to go? No, go ahead if you want to. Just keep going, praise God. And as you do that, you see people walking by. You see the man and the woman walking by. She got about 10 packages. He's just going... And she's going, well, there's no righteousness there, is there? There's no peace there. There's no anointing there, praise God. So we want to serve God, but we've got to protect. You've got to protect your righteousness. I mean, if you look at the armor of God, it's got a lot to do about prayer, but it's got to do about protecting the anointing so you can pray. 
There's a big difference between praying in righteousness, peace, and joy, and boldly, and just praying because you're in a tough spot, and you're just shouting out a bunch of prayers. See, we want to walk in that righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So here it says, here's the way you can serve God. Here's the way you can serve Christ. How? I'm going to stay in righteousness. I'm going to stay in peace. When the devil comes and starts whispering stuff in my ear, I'm going to say, I'm the righteousness. But you did this, but he did that. Well, you messed up. Well, he didn't. His blood's stronger than whatever you're telling me I'm doing. And there, here's where you got to do it again. You got to separate the voices. Chrissy was talking about it this morning. There's a voice in you that's a still, small, loving voice, and there's one that just pounds at you. And that comes through up here. He beats your mind and beats your mind. But I'll tell you what, as long as you stay with God and stay in the anointing, stand on the word, this voice will be louder than that voice. And once I found out the heart of God in these situations, it was easier to know not to call down fire, even if in the natural, it was the best thing I could do at the time. And it would have felt so good to call down that fire and burn somebody up. I still had to go with the voice that's on the inside of you. So what happened? By reading the word and studying the word, say reading the word and studying the word. Was it do? It quickens on the inside of you those words that the Holy Ghost has for like ammunition. So you get in a situation when you want to call fire down, once this scripture comes up, you say, gosh darn it, that's right. Dang it. I'm going to say, I love you. You're the best. You don't have to do it. So you don't have to do this. You don't have to do that. You've got to come out of the thinking of righteousness because righteousness, peace, and joy are the key to the anointing of God flowing in your life. Even coming to church it would help you to stay in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Sometimes the drive to church is the, the worst experience of the entire week. <laughs> if you've got a family and you've got kids, it just doesn't, one don't get ready, this one don't want to do anything, this one spills this, this one shouts that one, this one pulls that one's hair, this one kicks that one, this one, and by the time you get to church, you need deliverance, praise God. <laughs> yeah, what you come to church for? I came to praise God and I'm coming for deliverance. <laughs> Had a 20-minute drive, got me. All right, one more. Go to Romans chapter 5. That's why the Bible continually says, worry about nothing. Be anxious about nothing. Why do you worry? Let not your heart be troubled. Why? They're all unplugs from the anointing of God that's on the inside of you. And then when an attack comes, you don't even feel like spitting out the word of God. You just don't feel like you've got any power behind it at all. Are you healed? Yeah. And then mind you're thinking, I'm sick as a dog. So you've got to stay fire on the inside. All right, Romans chapter 5. We'll go back to chapter 4, verse 25. Who delivered us from our offenses, and he was raised again for our what? Justification. justification. Now, what's justification we were all taught? Just as if I never sinned. Hallelujah, which is true. All right, chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, in other words, because of this, being justified by faith, we have Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So notice, even in Romans 14 where it told us that, it gives you the, the, the succession. Righteousness leads to peace. Peace leads to joy. And it's all in the anointing of God that allows you to operate in the anointing of God. So the first thing the devil's going to come after in your life is righteousness. He's going to come after your relationship with God. He's going to come after you expecting something from God. Sometimes we pray and pray and pray and don't get what we want from God. Then we get mad at him. What happened? Your righteousness got attached in that situation. You got detached from it. Notice, God knows what he's doing. You got to have, keep that connection with God. You got to keep going forward. You got to walk off those thoughts that make you a victim all the time and make you lower than God, make you no good. You know, we covered, when was it? Was this Wednesday night or other Wednesday night about the prodigal son? I mean, the prodigal son went out and what did he do? He sinned. He took his inheritance, went to the pig pen and he comes back and saying, well, I'm just going to go to my father because he's got something better from that for me to eat. And since, since that, I'm just going to tell him, I'm your unworthy servant from here on, but at least I'll get something to eat. And many Christians have got born again and they keep coming to him like the prodigal son. I know I'm not worthy. 
I made a mistake. I backslid. I cussed my neighbor out. I didn't do this right. Well, that's true, but all you can do is confess those sins and let them go. So what did the father do? He came and put a ring on his finger. Praise God. He put shoes on his feet. That's what Father God is like. It doesn't matter what you did in the past or what you did any time, praise God. As long as you ask forgiveness, those things are gone, and you can walk now once again in the righteousness of God in Christ, praise God. But get away from those things. Don't live in them. Once you repent, how many know repent means to turn? It does not mean to do over and over and over again and ask forgiveness over and over and over again. That's not what it means. It means to do it and turn from that sin or that temptation. And when you do that, you'll continue to walk in a righteous lifestyle. What would that lead to? Peace. What does that lead to? Joy. Joy. See, you can't even choose joy if you're living in unrighteousness and don't understand how righteous you are. You can choose it for about one second, and then you'll go right back into despair. So you don't want to do that, praise God. We want to walk in the righteousness and peace and joy of the Holy Ghost. And the anointing of God will operate on the inside of you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Not just for other people, but for yourself. It'll keep you healthy. It'll keep you wealthy. It'll keep you on top. It'll keep you filled with joy and peace, praise God. And that's the kind of lifestyle we want to live. And I mean, notice, if you do that, you're acceptable of God, it says. Why is that? Because the same way with me, I want my kids happy. I want my kids joyful. I want my kids successful. I don't want them coming to me telling me I'm just a worm dad and I made this mistake and that mistake. That doesn't please me whatsoever. What pleases me is a victorious life that they are living at this time because they're my children. In the same way in the body of Christ, I want everybody succeeding. I want everybody happy. I want them full of joy. But there's some things you have to do See, in order to do that, I can lay hands on you and go, and it'll work for a little bit, but then if you go back to your same thought life, you need to come back every 10 minutes for another hand laid on you, praise God, hallelujah. And I can lay hands on you until I rub all the hair off your head and it won't do no good. That's what happened to me till I learned, praise God. <laughs> till I finally figured it out, glory to God, I finally figured it out too late, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. All right, hallelujah. That's it. For listening. For more from Treasure Coast Victory Center, visit us at mytcbc.com.